welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, the Indigo Angel, Jennifer Bloomer. Hello. And the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Today, our theme summer continues. Family Values Tour 99. We're talking about it. We're very excited. This was a big tour. Did anyone go to it? Did anyone go to Family Values Tour 99? I mean, I didn't. I did not. Matt? In in the vacation of my mind? No, I, I did not. <laughs> okay. None of us went, but we're going to talk about this album anyway. We're very excited to talk about that, talk about new metal, as always. But before we get to that, we've got a lot of other things to talk about. First, a new segment. It's called, Who's Asking About Fries? Who's Asking About Fries? Who is? Fries? Excuse me. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm sorry. I said prize. It's fries. Well, they are a prize if you get them at DTE. Oh. And that's exactly. Right. That's exactly what we're talking about here. Roach Rider Sheldon was at DTE over the weekend and sent us the message at DTE, do I really need to get these fries? Yes. And Sheldon, report back. Did you Let get us, the fries? Let us They're know. They're so good. He was there for Kids Bop Live. <laughs> at DTE? Oh. At DTE. Oh my God, that's a lot of bopping. And he was in the pit. <laughs> nice. I mean, he was close. He was in seats, but close to the pit. Yeah. So, but yeah, please do report back. Let us know. Another, this is a repeat segment. We love talking about this one. Who's touring? Who's touring? Who is? So, this is a hot tour. We heard about it last month that Power Man 5000 was going on on tour. And they said, you know what? This tour isn't hot enough. We got to up the ante. We got to expand this bill. We're not enough. They're enough, baby. I agree. But they, they went to the well. They went to the well. They got on the phone. They said, operator, connect me with Jared. That's right. Head PE. Now, that's enough, right? That's enough, right? Dude, head PE, Power Man 5000, done co-headline. I'll see you there. The vibe you in got, the room is going to get weird. Real yeah. weird vibe. Real weird vibe. But they it's said, you the know what? future of fucking, I think. <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah. say so. But they were like, you know what? Still not enough. Get me on the horn. Get me edema. What? What? So they got edema. Now, another twist on top of this. Edema, different lead singer. Mark Chavez, who you may know. He is Jonathan Davis's half-brother. If you didn't know that, you know it now. He's not in the band anymore. The rumor has it, the new lead singer is the former lead singer of Julian Kay, who is the old guitarist in Orgy. Once again. Okay. New metal on new metal. It's wow. crazy. Wow. Okay, so what? Triple, triple Bell, Power Man, Head P.E., Edema. That's it. We don't need any more, right? We're done. Why don't you tack another one on there for us, Lauren? The Jenna Torturers. <laughs> what? Yeah. That one was a left hook out of nowhere. Power Man, Head P.E., Edema, and the Jenna Torturers are going on tour. And to cap it all off, November 9th, The Machine Shop, Flint, Michigan. There we go. Buckle See the, the world's up. sexiest rock band. That's what the Jenna Torturers call themselves. 
It's industrial. They got an industrial tag, so oh. appears to be lots of scantily clad ladies. Yeah, they're gonna be going all out. Is there gonna be a dildo? <laughs> Uh, it's gonna yeah. be throwing ropes like Spider-Man. <laughs> Ooh, I'm gonna have oh, to wear my boy. poncho. Wear a poncho, yeah. <laughs> All right. You do not want to pay for the splash zone. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't even want uh, that at SeaWorld. <laughs> let alone come. <laughs> Welcome to this episode. Welcome to Roach Coach, first time listener. <laughs> Maybe we'll see you there. We'll see. We'll see. Then we have a segment, Who's on Another Podcast? Who's on Another Podcast? Who is? I guessed it on another podcast. The gentleman over at Travis Bickle on the Riviera, a wonderful film podcast, invited me on to talk movies. Talked all about movies. We talked a little bit about the Rambo trailer that uses bodies. Uh, So it did get a little new metal. So check that out. That was very fun to chat with them. Also, Fred Durst showing up. On Josh Peck's podcast. Fred gives an extensive interview here talking about the experience of being the front man in Limp Biscuit, of being this other person that he refers to as Red Cap. <laughs> it's okay. a very illuminating interview. Highly recommend it if you are a fan of Limp Biscuit or a fan of Fred Durst. Josh Peck's podcast, I mean, he's doing it. We're doing it. I'm not going to throw too much shade, but. I did skip over his intro and outro. Just throwing it out there. Okay. I expect people to skip over this part. That's true. Absolutely. It doesn't hurt me. I, I'm still mm. skipping Marin's intros. So. Oh, there you I, go. You it's ain't never s- seen somebody skip an intro like me. <laughs> <laughs> it's now a competition. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I read that article this week that came out with Fred. Mm-hmm. Is it the same interviewer or is it a different ir- interviewer? Different. Very different. That that article seemed way short. All right. I wanted more Fred. I have to listen to this podcast now because I feel my man is very self-aware now. Like he has a yes. very intense self-awareness that it is not a surprise to hear himself call himself Red Cap for the personality that he bestowed upon himself during that time. So highly recommend that interview. And then last but not least, the manager for Suicide Silence, who I apologize, do not have his name. I should have written that down, but he is their manager. He was on the X-Man podcast. Let me tell you, if you want all the dirt, all the nitty gritty on what happened with that Suicide Silence record, the self-titled with Ross, this dude pulls no punches. He lays it all out there. Also talks a little bit about how he got the band going and the work that it took and the hustle and all that stuff so it's it's jerry club jerry club that's his name very interesting uh interview but uh yeah he really lays it out there were parts where uh the host of the podcast uh he would what's his name who's the host of the expert podcast let's get all their names right well his name is doc coil doc coil was being very kind to the self-titled suicide silence album and uh, Jerry Club was like, no, 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 no. Let's 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 be real. Let's 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 say what we really think. <laughs> Usually, it's the other way around. So uh, yeah, I, I found it to be a very illuminating interview. I listened to it. You sent it to uh, the text thread that Jenny, you, and myself are on. What I thought was kind of crazy is, I can almost see what they were trying to do was be 
a different band all the way around when everybody was just like, no, you, you can just be this band and we'd actually mm-hmm. be fine with it. I thought there was a moment where I can't remember which of them brought it up was the change that happened for Bring Me the Horizon from them moving from being a really scream heavy band to being more of a pop next Linkin Park type band and how that worked for them. And I think that may have been what they they had in mind. I don't think it panned out though. No. No. Yeah. I think we have a two hour episode where we <laughs> prove that out. <laughs> we do. That was a long uh, one. It was. <laughs> uh, you think people skip this introduction? <laughs> oh, baby. Jenny, who's emailing? Oh, who is? Who's emailing? Sanak from India. He says, hi, guys. Hello from India. Really love the podcast. Discovered some good new metal bands, which ever blew up over on this side of the planet. Also, can you guys review the album Thamata by the band Carnival? It's pretty new metal. Cheers. My name is Sanak. And I'm guessing I am pronouncing your name incorrectly. And I'm sorry. And uh, feel free to correct me. And I'll say it the right way. Thank you so much for emailing. Thank you. And uh, I don't think we've received Carnival as a recommendation before, so I will throw them up on the long list. Thank you, Sanak. We also got an email from Cigarette Crow, assuming that is his real name, who wanted to let us know about Head from Corn playing blind with Mike Huckabee on Mike Huckabee's show. Oh, I watched this. I watched it as well. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah. It's too bad. It's a little too bad. Why'd you make that promise, Ed? <laughs> Why'd oh, you boy. make that promise? You can see him be like, oh, shit. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, we really yeah. gonna. Yeah. We're really gonna do this, huh? We're doing it. Anyway, thank you so much, Cigarette Co., for sending that over to us so we could all say what we just said about it. And one more special segment here. It's called. Who's releasing a new metal album in 2019? Who's releasing a new metal album in 2019? Who's releasing a new metal album in 2019? Who is? Uh, yes, we got a message from Cole Dowden. He said, might we finally get a new release episode, hashtag asking for a friend, in regards to Head P.E.'s just released album, Stampede? Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Matt, did you listen to this album? Oh, I've heard some tracks. I listened to the whole thing. It's interesting. No one will ever, ever accuse Jared of phoning it in, of making the same album twice. Heck, he might not even make the same album once. (laughs) This record, we've got rap verses, trap drums, and then you get to the chorus, crunchy metal drop. It's pretty killer. Like half the album's like that, but then it sort of goes away from that and gets into just sort of rap stuff. And I missed my drops. I thought it. I thought. I thought we were gonna get my hot drops the whole way through. Jard still running. I mean, here's the thing. I'm a little surprised that Jard has not thrown his hat in the ring on this on the selection because he's up there, still talking about the same things. Strong middle class. You know, the elites are champing down the 99%. I mean, he's he's talking our language. But uh, you know, I could have used some more hot drops. There you go. There you go. Also, Nick Fenton said, hey, check out Motionless and White's latest album. It's a fucking crusher. We also got that seconded by Corey Adams. Says it's a pit activator. And uh, Thoughts and Prayers, a song by Motionless and White. That is the song 
Motionless and White. So I wasn't sure who this band was. I looked them up, and I jokingly said to myself, so you got to take my word for this. I jokingly said to myself, oh, I wonder if the name of the guy in Motionless and White is like Steve Motionless. So come to find out that the lead guy in the band's name is Chris Motionless. <laughs> there you go. Well, you were wrong, but you were close. Should I, I was close. play any? Play, Matt, why don't you play this song, Thoughts and Prayers. Thoughts and off. Prayers. Motionless and White. Well, okay. Matt activated the pit. Yep. Whoa. I'm in. Oh, oh, Put it in the list. <laughs> Holy Matt's cow. Matt's ready. Matt wow. is ready. Living for this. Wow. That was just a taste. That was just a taste of motionless and white. My God. Jenny, yeah. how did you feel about that? <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I've listened to it. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, man. Okay. Well, shit, we might have to do a fucking up on those guys wow <laughs> boy oh boy uh I, I i'll be honest i looked him up I'm like chris motionless all right and i looked up a picture and they looked sort of like um they have like a they, look they have a look it's very marilyn manson meets um, my chemical romance yeah yeah so i wasn't i was uh not not uh not prepared for that one but actually, it looks like on one of their albums, they have a duet with uh, Jonathan Davis. And in true form, they've been together since 2005. They have only one original member, and it's Mr. Motionless. There you go. Can't Perfect. leave the band if your name is in the band. No, absolutely. If he wants to leave, he's like, no, I can't. It's me. Will he have to change his name if he moves? Yeah. He probably, yeah, I mean... So. They'd have to, yeah. They'd, whoever the new lead singer would be, you know, we just hope his name is cool, you know. Nas in white. There it is. There it, it is. is. There it is. <laughs> and we got some Slipknot feedback. <laughs> we got a lot of things happening this week. We do. We do. There's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, over on Facebook, Timothy John Henderson said, "Better late response than no response." So I was listening to Slipknot since the self-titled album when this came out, and I was really down with it. I never listened to Stone Sour much at that time, but I just felt that it was a natural progression for the band to have a few more of those singy boy moments. I think people just need to be more welcoming for change. Also, Corey Taylor is a very solid singer, in my opinion, so I dig it. Genius. Boom. Genius. Wow. Throwing the genius in there. It's on the list. (sighs) Boy. Uh... Chad Worrell said, my favorite Stone Sour record. (laughs) Chad Worrell. Shots fired. Shots fired. All right. Nick Fenton says, big thanks to you guys. I know you aren't making any money off of this. Your work is appreciated and enjoyed. 
Looking forward to finishing this episode, even though I'm pretty sure I will know Jenny's feelings on the album. Hey, I'm nothing if not predictable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Daniel Hedger said, it's funny. I feel the way Jenny feels about this album, about the first two Slipknot albums. This one actually seemed more interesting to me for whatever reason. I was also too cool for this band back in the thick of it days. So most of these songs are new to me. But this episode got me thinking about an idea for a new theme month or just a one-off app. Lauren, Matt, and Jenny each bring in an album that means a lot to them, and the other two get to judge it the same way you would for any of the new metal canon contenders. Failing that, doing a month of, quote, real metal in contrast to new metal. Interesting. Interesting. Interesting ideas. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jason Andrew Goodman says, I feel the same way about this album that I feel about Genesis, starting with And Then There Were Three band's early work marked him as one of the better 70s prog rock outfits then phil collins started his solo career (laughs) and genesis was basically putting out the same sound that collins was solo the real problem with this album is that those first stone tower album or two was were so heavy that it left it hard to distinguish between them by the way i can't remember if you've done stone tower already but if you haven't they've got a couple of albums worth evaluating before they mellowed out to find sound, and I like most of this album, I just don't know that the calmer, more mature Slipknot is easily enough distinguished from the particularly angry, aggressive Stones Hour early on. As an aside, how odd is it that at the time that Corey Taylor was going off on this deep, going off the deep end with alcohol, he was basically never sober. They put out their most mature work to date. Maybe he was just tired. Mm-hmm. He didn't I mean, have time or- for his bullshit. <laughs> yeah or or functioning alcoholic true mm-hmm. true true uh we got a monster comment here from duke cannon he uh he says that he really thought this album would have been saved for episode 200 but i'm glad it's here this album i'm extremely defensive over i it's get true. it here we go most people i know hate it because they went soft but honestly i think they just don't understand it when the album was made, they had been touring together for, what, like five years nonstop? Threw drug and alcohol issues into the mix, a recording studio in a haunted house, strange relationships, and a weirdo for a producer, and this is the album that came out of it? I was 100% satisfied. They did go soft, but it wasn't in a commercial sense. They opened their minds up when most bands just throw in the towel and take the easy road due to exhaustion. Slipknot went into the studio and channeled all their bullshit into songs that were absolute best direction for the band at the time. Just because the production doesn't sound like Iowa doesn't mean it's not heavy. It is heavy. Heavy as fuck. Even the acoustic ballads are heavy in the sense that they just weigh you down emotionally. And there is so much going on in each song that it takes multiple listens to really pick it all out and learn to appreciate the craft that went into making these songs. They are fantastic and dark, and the subject matter is deep, and I personally could feel all the strain those guys were going through through these songs. Rick Rubin may be a fucking odd dude, but he knew exactly what he was doing with this record, and it worked as an experimental Slipknot record. Next to their self-titled album, this is their best work by far in terms of seeing what they could do, taking a path to the left instead of making Iowa Part 2, which Mm. I'm glad they didn't do. I haven't listened to the episode yet. That's my favorite part of this comment. And I'm praying you guys don't tear it to shit because it's nothing like Iowa, which you guys love so much. It goes in the canon or else I'm done with this podcast for six days until the next episode. L-O-L. <laughs> Thanks for the coverage, guys. Hoping it goes well. Roach Rider for life. Wow. Thank you. 
uh, also hearing mention of Rick Rubin reminds me, Darren Malakian from System of a Down was on Chris Jericho's podcast, and he's talking about why they haven't made more music and how basically he just like doesn't want anybody else to have a say in how the music goes. But he said he liked working with Rick Rubin because Rick Rubin doesn't do anything and he just <laughs> plays on his phone on a couch. And he said that. I was like, God damn it. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so I just wanted to give some more evidence. So Darren said they didn't make more music because Darren's too much of a control freak? Uh, that This was secondhand from Mitch telling me all about this. Um, he listened to the podcast. I'll so, have to yes. listen. I'll yeah. have to listen. I've been getting a lot of information from Talk is Jericho. So For all my vinyl heads out there, they're repressing uh Serge's first album, Music on Vinyl is. So you, if you uh if you hit up those spots, there's about a thousand copies. And that has been super limited, guys. Hard to come by. You can pick it up for thirty bucks US. There you go. Jax Lawson says, for women in my age group, there's a certain strain of ubiquitous Facebook posts, quotes not attributed to any particular book or author that describe a woman in the third person. Usually feel good stuff like, one day she decided she wasn't going to put up with any crap anymore, so she drank some chamomile tea and danced like no one was watching, and she lived and laughed and she loved. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) There are so many of them, and they're mostly just about like not going on diets anymore, but considering it an absolute revolution. Anyway, that's what I thought of when I heard Vermilion this time. And then we got this beautiful meme with some lyrics on it. And uh, I love it. It says, it says, she's different. Sometimes the voices get too loud. She will doubt you, herself, and everything around her. Sometimes she won't even know how to love herself. That's when you have to be there and pull her back into reality. That's when you have to love her harder. Silence those loud voices and erase those doubts that's when you need to make her feel beautiful (laughs) wow yes those are so so very much everywhere they are every most women i went to high school with (laughs) giving me a few of those a day so i appreciate that yeah austin count said saw them live a couple times around this era on ozfest and a tour with kill switch engage unearth and maybe as i lay dying each time they killed it, and the barrels and kegs sounded great. Fucking bet they did. Also, I watched an interview with Clown, and I always pronounced it Crayhan, but in it he said his last name is pronounced like Cron. That was a very big surprise to me. Wow. Well, our apologies, Clown. Over on Twitty, Twitty, and Twitty, cool. Over on Twitter, uh, Lori says, "I think I speak for everyone when I say I'd like to hear more of Lauren's top albums of 2004." <laughs> Hashtag time. rocking and loving it. Do you guys want to hear more of my top albums of 2004? Yeah, sure. Just real quick. Okay, uh, let me pull it up here. Thought I had it, but I. Had it. I mean, we've been doing this intro for. Like this is a, This is the show now. So <laughs> yeah. So we'll do. Um, we'll do my top ten. So this is ten to one. Franz Ferdinand, self-titled. Okay. Papa Roach getting away with murder. Modest Mouse, good news for people who love bad news. The Killers, hot fuss. Okay. Okay, it's gonna get dark, you guys. Alright. Lost profits start something. Yeesh. You didn't know. I didn't know. No one knew. Which if we had known. Uh Kanye West, the college dropout. 
AC Newman, The Slow Wonder, The Streets, A Grand Don't Come for Free. Fucking love that record. Eagles of Death Metal, Peace, Love, and Death Metal. Great record. And number one, Arcade Fire Funeral. Okay. Very respectful list. Yes. And I mean, just to put it out there, Death From Above was all the way down at 20. I'm, you know, if I redid my list, it would be number one. And I know some people are like, okay, that's the list, but do you have anything embarrassing that you wrote about any of these albums? Um, The most embarrassing one is definitely the one that I wrote for Papa Roach's album. I will read it now, and then I will bury myself (laughs) under a rock forever. Oh, God, this is so bad. (laughs) Read it. Oh, Oh, God. You know what? I'm going to send this to you, Jenny. You got to read it. I can't read it. The boys, they've done it again. Uh, Oh, it's it's short. I thought it was really going to be long. Okay. This is what Lauren had to say about uh, the Papa Roach album. Getting Away with Murder. Getting Away with Murder. God. This one just purely rocks and rocks and rocks and rocks. And then it rocks some more. So you take a break, go downstairs, get something to drink, slow sip. Okay, back to it. Rock! (laughs) Spelled R-A-W-K, all caps, like six to eight, exclamation point. Fucking rules. Whenever I don't know why we're friends, Lauren, (laughs) it's because you write things like that. That you just can't help yourself. Rocks, rocks, rocks. It rocks. That's okay. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Lauren, uh, Lauren and Lori. I appreciate it. Uh, Eric B. Drums says, always a good week when Broad Talk makes an appearance. Hey. Hey. Something. Absolutely. Something gross. <laughs> something <laughs> gross about ladies. <laughs> thank you, Eric. Uh, Scribble said, this was always my favorite Slipknot album until I listened to this and realized, nah, it's just nostalgia. You hate it when that happens. Yeah. Changing minds, changing hearts. Punchman Staple says, sick up. Loved it. Thank you. And Sturry330 said, Jenny started the, yeah, well, you know, type of runaround on why she didn't like it at first. I was thinking, what the hell kind of a take is this? <laughs> and then she had a brilliant take that shut me up real quick. Yes. This album is way too muted and clean, especially the guitars and Corey. I agree 100%. Very solid CD, but not Iowa solid. Not close, really. Great episode. Thank you so much for everyone who wrote in. That is it for who's tweeting. Keep on tweeting, Facebooking, Instagram. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. The album of the week, if you're still ready for it. (laughs) Wake up. Wake up. It's Family Values Tour 99. Jenny, when did this album come out? This album was released on May 23rd, 2000. From the 99 to the 2000. That's exactly right. Uh, Yeah, so that is the thick of it. Right? That is. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jenny, any history with this album? I didn't have this album. I think by the time this came out, I was, well, I wasn't too cool for it yet. But, I mean, I know every single song on this album. So, uh, it was, all of these songs were just huge. But, no, I, I didn't have this album. Um, and I I don't know. This might have been the first time I listened to it, except for there's one song that 
God knows I've heard 150 million times on this. But uh, Lauren, how about you? Did not own this one. I was familiar with this album cover with the giant baby crying over a city because I was working at Best Buy at the time when this album came out. Uh, But I didn't pick it up because I basically owned all of these songs in some capacity already in their normal form. Um, So I didn't feel a need to pick it up. I did big thrift it. This was um, actually big thrifted this a while back. And this was one of the first big thrift tragedies for me. I got it from Glenn the bookseller for a sweet $3.44. But when it arrived, uh, I got the special edition that comes with the with the trading cards. So every every act has a trading card. But for some reason, all of the cards are glued together either by gum or moisture. Oh, and yeah. Because it came with gum. Oh, well... Somebody, oh yeah, there's a, oh, I never even looked at this. Yeah, there's a gum wrapper in here. This is gross. All right. <laughs> so anyway, a huge disappointment in that front. But I was lucky enough to find photos of unstickied trading cards on another eBay order. And uh, I was, I blew those up and sent those over to you, Jenny, so you can sort of see. Thank you. Uh, what those look like. So that's my history with it. Matt? A used bin staple. This this poster is or this album cover is kind of omnipresent in my memory like yeah baby crying over a city yep family values 99 there you have it producers on this album uh, we have two gentlemen here jeff quinetz and bill Sheppel. new names jeff is uh the former ceo of the firm uh talent management company and is the current COO of Cube Vision, the film and television production company he runs with long-term partner Ice Cube. And Bill Sheppel is... A soccer player. This has got to be an incorrect link. I would think so. <laughs> he was a what? member of the U.S. national team in 1949 and then <laughs> became a producer on the Family Values Tour. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> what, a, what a journey. What yeah. a journey. Here you are. You you were the king of soccer in the 50s. And you're like, my story's not over. It's time for my second act. And that second act is producing Family Values 99. Yeah, with some dude that manages a talent agency. He's, yeah. There who you better, have it. Who better to produce the who, Family Values tour? Who better? And a little history of the tour. Not on the album, but on the tour, Ja Rule, Run DMC, and Mob Deep. DMX was supposed to be on the tour. It canceled prior to the beginning of it. Korn made some surprise appearances at a handful of dates, which, what a surprise that must have been. 1999? Oh, my God. <sighs> Seven Dust did a fill-in date for Filter. All Filter took some time off to film the video for Take a Picture. System of Down were originally on the lineup, but canceled because of a feud with Limp Biscuit. Yeah. So this begs the question to me. Yes. Is this feud what gives us the reign of Stained? Because Stained. So if my understanding is correct, Stained remained on this tour in the absence of system of a down hmm. now that might n- i'm pretty sure that's true 
I'm pretty sure I read that because I was like looking up into this feud because the feud is that the management company that Taproot was on. Ooh. So this is the Taproot thing. So the same management, System of the Down had the same management as Taproot. So when Fred was like dealing with Taproot um, and left that like voicemail, they had like a huge problem. They had the same management. So Fred had a huge problem with them because it was like interfering with the A&R stuff he was trying to do for Interscope at the time. And so he said in an interview that I read that they did, I think it was with like MTV or something, uh, that he was like, we love the dudes in System of a Down, but fuck their management pretty much. And so then Stained, I think, was on the tour for longer or in a more prominent way. And this is also where we hear the song. You mean the real motherfucking deal, y'all? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So, I don't know. I got a lot of questions. I'm going to say, in our um, little conspiracy theory minds, it adds up that this is how Stained really came to be. Plus, I mean, Fred Durst saw that opening with the guys from uh, Stained and was like, I can A&R these guys. I'm going to fuck take Taproot. Check out what I just did. So there's an alternate reality where Taproot is Stained and Stained is Taproot. I Th- don't know. There's an alternate reality where Taproot signs to flip. System of a Down plays Family Values 99. And System of a Down is the biggest band in the galaxy today. That's true. <sighs> what an alternate reality. And Aaron Lewis is still a country star. Well, yeah. That's that's not stopping. You're not stopping that. All right. Well, I think we've hit just about everything. Oh, genre tags, Jenny. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Genre tags... New metal, alternative metal, and heavy metal. All right. Lots of metal. Lots of metal now. Something to note about this record, they did not follow the same format they did for the first Family Values record, where they gave you all the songs from a band in a row. So we've got several of the same bands, but the songs are all shuffled up. Mm. So There's more of a thought towards sequencing, I think on this album it seems like it was this jeff friend of ice cubes decision no or this was, was this bill bill, bill former soccer, soccer bill. star yeah. soccer bill the soccer okay. star bill <laughs> was like hey guys make the album fun to listen to all right uh well you want to get into it let's, let's do, it. do it cool so the first song performed by our boys in limp biscuit it's a song called break stuff heard this one Oh, yeah. Y'all ready to break some shit tonight? This is classic Red Hat. Yep. I said, are y'all ready to break some shit tonight? Wes sounds tired. Just the vibe, never so much at all. No 
All right. Yeah. So we know break stuff. You get your breaks. I, I do think you should go to 250 because I feel like that is a moment that shows the power of Biscuit in 99. Those people are hot. So let's just talk about Fred Durst's voice here for a second. Sure. Coming off of Family Values 98 to Family Values 99, he had some serious vocal coaching. Because my man sounds real good. As good as Fred Durst can sound. As a guy who says himself that he can't sing, that he's always been much more about the emotion. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not trying to bag on Fred too hard, but like he's gassed in '98 on on that tour. Yeah, mm-hmm. like we listened to it. He, he was he's struggling. Yeah, Faith sounded especially not tough. great. Yeah, uh, yeah. I thought he sounded. I thought they sounded way better here. Surprisingly enough, I looked up uh, the set lists uh, for this tour, and uh, in general, this was the opener. They opened with break stuff. If West sounds tired maybe he's just warming up since it's the opening track it could be it i i agree that fred sounds a lot better i still am not super crazy about hearing a live recording of this song or them i guess maybe because i think that they sound great on record but then when you see them live i also think that they sound really good um granted i've only seen them as an adult (laughs) i never saw them in like the the prime or whatever but I thought this sounded a lot better. I still, though, I think you're right. It sound there's something about the energy of the song that maybe didn't fully translate for me here. Um, you know what it needs? Sirens. I agree, and some pit bulls. <laughs> yup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe that's the problem here. Uh, but overall, break stuff. I mean, classic. 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 That's the way you start off Family Values 99. There's no other two. When they sat down, when Bill and Jeff sat down, they said, Hey, Bill. Yeah, Jeff. Listen, I know Ice Cube and you know soccer, (laughs) but I think we can both agree that there's only one song that kicks off this album. Oh, it's a banana kick into the goal with break stuff. Right? Absolutely. Cover your balls. Is that something you do when you do a penalty kick? The cover? Yeah. Cover my balls. Cover your balls. And I block that shot. There you go. There you have it. And that's how they made a lot of decisions on this album, by the way. Yeah. Jeff Jeff and Bill. (laughs) Yeah. One would talk about Ice Cube, and the other one would make obscure soccer references. Yeah, exactly. And that is how we jump from Limp Biscuit doing break stuff to Primer. Primer. Fuck me. Primus doing Lacquerhead. What a time to be alive. You know? You know, this is why they invented merch tables. (laughs) So they could be visited during (laughs) Primus. 
Sorry, Primus fans. Oh, I love you. Yeah. I saw him Lollapalooza '93. I was jacked up for him then. <laughs> There's someone that I'm surprised I haven't heard from. What? Oh, it, you mean? Indian. <laughs> 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 Somebody. It's almost oh, like no. true funk. <laughs> Something funky. Hi, Ken. I was wondering when you show up. Cause... Oh, baby, I've been here. Oh, you're probably just grooving too hard. <laughs> I was really getting into that bass solo. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. Top three bass solos. <laughs> Bootsy Collins, Bootsy Collins, and then Les Claypool. That's your top three. That's my top. Three. <laughs> That's your top three. That's a uh, solid top three. I like that it's aspirational because there's room for someone else to get in. Yeah, right. Please, <laughs> you still a got a chance. Bootsy twice, baby. That's a really kind top three to leave uh, one of the three open <laughs> for all those aspiring <laughs> bass soloists out there. Thor is Jacko Pistorius, baby. Uh, what did you? What do you think of Primus, Lauren? You know, Primus is a band that I remember enjoying singles as a teen. Um, my name is Mud, and uh, Jerry was a race car driver. Obviously, Winona's Big Brown Beaver. Who wasn't a fan of that one? But whenever I'd hear an album, I would be like, "This is terrible. This is this is who is this for? Not for me." And I can't remember if it was pork soda or the sailing of seas of cheese that someone lent me, but I remember thinking this has like this has like the single and then just like that's all it sounded like. So this is from the album Anti Pop that is considered the worst uh, album by Primus critically. Mm-hmm. It had production from Tom Morello and Fred Durst. Fred Durst produced this song on the album. It's about huffing paint. And I feel like when they were performing this, I feel like they were in the Rammstein slot on this tour. That when they were up there, everyone was like, what's happening? What's going on? Because this song is um, almost five minutes long. And it has a lot of going on. Funky stuff, yeah. Yeah, the funky (laughs) stuff. Yeah, you know, Ken. And yeah, I just imagine a lot of people being like, oh, okay. All right, sure. I don't feel like Primus was the first band, though. There's no way that they would open the show with Primus. No, no. If uh, Primus is your cool mid. I think you open with, I'm looking at the bands on this. I think you open with Filter out of all these bands. I think so, too. Or stained, honestly, probably stained because yeah, Filter is a little more established than stained at this point. So, either way, this was um, this not my favorite one. song. It's not my favorite song on the album. I, I did think though that you know this is the there's sort of like the legacy act of you know yeah. let's let's get let's get uh, let's get a Papa on here. Yeah, gotta have someone. Oh shit, is Primus a Papa? They might be. I don't know. I don't. 
Uh, I don't think so. No? I'm going to give the no? chili peppers Papa before I give yeah. Claypool Papa. I don't think so. But I mean, like... <laughs> this words I've never said in my life. I'm going to give chili peppers a Papa before I give Claypool Papa. Context is Please everything. put that on my headstone. I will. I will. I think your family's going to be really upset. They're going to be fucking pissed. <laughs> I put that in my will without Catherine It's knowing. not even going to say your name or like, where nope. you were born. <laughs> <laughs> it's just gonna be the most confusing heads. Though. Hey, all right. Look, Matt, uh, I love you. Uh, I'm your friend, and I will honor your word. <laughs> but you gotta tell me if you change your mind, because okay. I'm gonna push hard for it. Okay, thank I you. really don't want to upset your family. Appreciate that, especially in a difficult time like that. I'll be like, I <laughs> look. I know. I know. <laughs> But he said, I want chili peppers a papa before I give Claypool a papa. All right. right. You know what? It's it's the headstone everyone is going to be talking about. (laughs) It's holiday season. Yeah. People walking through, they'd be like, I'm really feeling sad. I lost a loved one. Wait, what does that headstone say? It doesn't. There's not a name on it. Honey, is there. Down there? is there even, there's not even like a born death. There's just this quote, which seems like an in-joke from a podcast, probably. <laughs> Easily a podcast in-joke. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's do it. All right. Up next, speaking of who we thought opened this show, it's our boys in Stain giving us Mud Shovel. I hate Stained, but damn, that song's kind of undeniable. Yeah, Mud Shovel's a good song. It's catchy. It's killer. It's pretty, they're crushing here. They're crushing here. And it's the closing song. It was the closing song of their set when they when they did this tour. Makes sense. Yeah, that's wise. Yeah. And what's interesting, I think it's at the top of this track. Maybe it was at the end of the other one, but they uh, you hear Aaron Lewis say, this is a song you might know, which leads me to believe that the six or seven songs they played prior were not received well because no one knew what they were. And then they played their single and everyone and then it's like, yeah, yeah, you know this one, you sons of bitches. How does this line up in terms of the popularity of Stained? Is Mud Shovel their only recognizable single at this point? Do you know offhand? I'd say so because I mean Home was a single, but I don't think it was as big of a hit in that level. Um, I mean, granted, it did give us an iconic video of of uh, Aaron Lewis turning into a flock of birds. 
Well, yeah. We love that one. We love that one. Should we, you know, you know, maybe a little retroactive. Should that be considered for the new metal junk drawer? I mean, we can ruminate on it. You but put a bunch of birds in there. I mean, boy, I was. I mean, he's Fred just directed it, and it's you know he's running to that cliff, and then he turns into a bunch of birds. That's true. What a moment. What a moment. Something to think about. Something to think about. Right. But yeah, I thought I thought they were really crushing here. I thought uh, this was a, a, a very uh, a good good showing from our boys. All right. Well, we got a lot of boys to get through. <laughs> we got so, a lot of boys. Let's pick up the pace. All right. Up next, we've got a little band called Corn performing Falling Away From Me. Yeah. Sound wonderful. I was a fool for my, like, one of the things that has surprised me the most in in terms of how I feel about the music listening to this, like, doing this podcast for so long, Mm -hmm. I really, like, wasn't crazy about Korn when we started. I was like, yeah, whatever. But after years of listening to these bands, I'm like, Korn is really fucking good. (laughs) They're super solid. Uh I was a fool. I just want to go on record saying I was a fool for being so hard on corn. I think they're great. And I have now, I think Jonathan Davis is just like completely endeared to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wow. it. That's wow. it. Bold. I watched wow. a, uh, I watched a documentary that he was in talking about prescription pills. It was super terrible. Um, oh, but then I had a weird dream about Jonathan Davis, and he was, like, really nice. And he was just, like, a really cool dude. And Mitch was super pissed that he kept, like, talking to me and wanted to hang out with me. He's like, can't hang out. He's obviously into you. And I was like, he is just nice. Can't people be nice? And I woke up. So it was, like, all when I was sick. It was, like, a fever dream. This fever dream about <laughs> Jonathan Davis. That's right. So now I like corn and because I had this dream. <laughs> you came out of your fever dream and you're like, Mitch, I like corn now. now I'm the- a really big corn fan now. <laughs> the first album's being reconsidered in my heart. <laughs> but they sound so good. They sound so good here. It's it's incredible. They sound so big. It's a year later and already they're they're like we we got to tighten this up we got to be better i uh i pulled up the set lists uh for when they would do their surprise sets um only eight songs they would close with falling away from me it appears that they were yeah they were just teasing out they were basically saving everything for the issues tour so everything else is basically um 
Blind, Got the Life, Adidas, Freakin' Alish. And of course, they were doing faggot still. So, Well, there we go. Now, if I am soccer man, mm-hmm. what do I put next? I'll tell you what it is. What is it? It's Method Man and Red Man doing Duroc Wilder. I'm so excited for this. This song crushes. So good. Oh my god. How many motherfuckers in here been drinking tonight? (laughs) Yeah! Meth. Ooh, a lot of drunk people there. Okay, let's talk about it. Were they sweetened, baby? <laughs> I mean, it it sounds there are parts possibly good. It sounds very very good, but the Red Man verse does sound very live to me. But it also, I mean, it's it's so close to the to the the CD version. I mean, I'm not complaining. Good. <laughs> I, I don't want it. To, I, mean, I I wouldn't feel better if it sounded bad. So, um, but yeah, there may have been some some behind some, the scenes some trickery sweet backing track to make it. <sighs> Jeff and Bill once again, their fingers all over it. Yeah, there, a lot of fingers on that one. Well, actually, Said, I take that back. Jeff would be fingers. Bill, nothing but headers and feet. That is exactly right. That is exactly right. I love it. God, this song kills. It's a great song. All right. Now, and I want to say this. Uh-huh. The song comes in at 2.30, respectful of our time. The songs on this record are so long. No song on this record other than this Method Man and Red Man song is less than four minutes. The next shorter song is four minutes, and they just go up from there. Mm-hmm. including this behemoth. And I personally blame you for everything Filter does, Lauren. <laughs> this like, is the longest song in the album. Longest song on the album, over seven minutes. This is a Filter. Hey, man, nice shot. The song is called Hey, man, nice shot. Yeah, got it. <laughs> <laughs> And that sweet bass chug. Mm-hmm. 
I know, but uh, that's a minute of the song, baby. It's a seven-minute take on Hey Man, Nice Shot. They chug it up a little bit. I just want to say that it is so exciting. Three years into the show, after so much teasing, we're finally talking about some filter. This is uh, this is classic filter track. They jam it out a little bit more. This is uh, this is they're on the t- they're on the title of record tour cycle at this point. Y- you know I love it. You, you know, know. I love it. you're a filthy. I'm a filthy. You're I'm a, a filthy. filthy. I'm a filthy till the day I die. Put that, Jenny. I know you're taking <laughs> taking. I'd ma- you know what Matt's headstone? Request. My right. head my headstone is gonna say filthy boy till his dying day. <laughs> is that you want to rethink that? There's one? no G in dying, right? It's no, it's a hyphen. Dying with or no dying. apostrophe. Apostrophe. <laughs> Both. It's gonna <laughs> anger people on a lot of levels. <laughs> All right. Well, you gotta oh, tell me if you change your mind because I'm gonna follow through. <laughs> oh man. Ronan's gonna be so mad. Uh <laughs> yeah. loving father. Nope. Nope. <laughs> filthy. He's a filthy. So according to the set list I found on setlist.fm, when they played at the Cow Palace in Daly City, California, on the Family Values Tour on October 19th, 1999, this was their closer, um, which may be why uh, Richard Patrick sounds a little little wonkier there. You know, he's, he's given his sounds all. Sounds like he's seen the road. Yes. So, But uh, looking at this set list, I mean, as a filthy boy for life, this is a hot set list, man. I Will Lead You, which is top five filter song. They do It's Gonna Kill Me. They do Under. They do Dose. Take a picture. I'm all about it. Great set list. Jenny, thoughts on this one? You know what? I'm going to let you have your joy. <laughs> it's too long for me. But that's okay. Because okay, it's not for me. Mm. Not everything in this world is for me. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. 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 All right. <laughs> uh, up next, we got more biscuit. Uh, this is a song called "Rearranged." I want everybody in the building to get their little groove on for a minute. powers that yeah because when we saw them jenny they did not do rearranged no and this this is one of those things where i'm like yeah this uh was a single at the time i get it but i don't know this this feels uh on the album i'm good with it here it feels less essential i'm a little surprised that this was the song they picked and then looking at their set list i'm a little surprised at what from because this is significant others just dropped were peak 
biscuit action. You heard that crowd during break stuff. I'm a little surprised that they uh, that they went with this one. Well, they s- they sound really good though. They sound super they, tight. They sound phenomenal. And his vocals sound great. It might have been more about how like the recording came mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. than the popularity of the song because like that sounded. That's probably the best live track I've heard from them so far. Mm. Uh, an interesting thing I found looking at their set list from this era, from this uh, era was that uh, they were already doing long covers medleys even then. I thought that was something on the recent tours that they were doing. No, they've always been doing this. On this tour, uh, when they played a date uh, at the Arco Arena in Sacramento on October 20th, 1999, they played Jump Around. And then they did a covers medley of Smells Like Teen Spirit, Sweet Child of Mine, Voodoo Child, Master of Puppets, Bomb Track, and Blind into Faith. Wow. And then they played Rearranged, and then they played another cover that we will get to on this album, and then they closed with Nookie. So if you want to count that, nine covers. That's just about as new metal as anything I've ever heard. There you have it. It's a lot of covers. Uh, I think the thing that was shocking to me, though, is that looking at the set list, they did not play Trust on this tour. And hmm. I feel like that's a missed opportunity. Just putting it out there. Matt, how you feeling over there? I'm feeling good. If you're at this show, you know, like plenty of time to take breathers, plenty of time to get amped as fuck. I'm ready for that next track. All right. This is a song from Corn. My new favorites. Uh, this is Adidas and Good God. Matt, if you can go to 155. You got it, buddy. This audience, man, think about it. Living for it. Well, here it is. Already, Corn's a surprise, and they're doing Adidas, and they're having you sing along. What a night! What a night! What a night! All right. Well, I would hate to think that anybody would live with that level of excitement for too long because they might have a heart attack. So. You need to cool that fire. They need to cool the fire a little bit. Or, you know, I would imagine that those whose fire was stoked by this song, Adidas, may 
have been extinguished by this next song, but those whose fires were stoked by My Name is Mud by Primus would probably be a bit extinguished by corn. So it's all about balance. And this song is My Name is Mud by Primus. It's so 90s alt, it's crazy to me. Like when I hear this, I think singles, I think flannels. I don't think ever think of new metal when I think of Primus. No. I I feel like I'm opening on a bohemian, you know, like What's interesting I, is you can hear the audience is hyped. And I on my third listen, I was listening, and I caught a guy. It's buried in the mix, but you can hear someone clearly yell, yes, when they realize what song it is. So <laughs> some Primus had showed up. It's, it's very slacker. Very slacker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I always associate, like, because people used to tell me I should listen to Primus all the time because I was into like progressive rock and I was into some like heavier music. And they're like, well, if you like Rush and you like bass players, you got to listen to Primus. Um, and it, it, I never, I mean, I, I didn't hate it, but it just like wasn't for me. But I guess like I'm curious, I'm very curious about how Primus ended up on this specific tour. Yeah. Well, well, it was, it well, was Fred. Fred. Fred, yeah, Fred produced songs on the album, the uh, the, the anti pop album, and it was their bid for a bit more co- commercial success, yeah. as it were. And uh, I know there was an anecdote I don't have it in front of me that basically Fred, when he was producing them, was like, "I want you to get heavy like your old shit," and I haven't heard that. Um, I mean, unless he's talking about like Jerry was a race car driver. In the heavier aspect, but that was the intent. I mean, especially if you're working with Fred, you're working with Tom Morello, you're certainly making a bid. Um, what's interesting though is that I mean, uh, Les Claypool has gone on the record saying like that's their least favorite album. That album, making it was like very difficult. It basically led to them like breaking up for a while. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about this before. Yeah, remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, th- so yeah, so. Yeah, I think there was, yeah, there may have been a, a situation. I mean, here's the thing. Props to Primus, they're still playing the whole fucking song. Like, they're still noodling around in the bass. They're not They're not trying to repackage Primus for the Family Values crowd. You're mm-hmm. still getting the full the full Primus. Yeah. Uh, well, you know. The full pry. The full prime. There we go. All right. Back to this gift for Lauren. We got another filter song here, and this is Welcome to the Fold. Mm. 
Sorry about that chorus. It's okay. Jenny, talk us through. You've uh, you've gone on the record. Not a filthy. Not really had much experience with filter. Mm-mm. Um uh, how'd you come out of this? this is, I mean, there were two filter songs on here. Obviously, the old classic that I'm sure you were very familiar with, and then this one that I'm sure you were not familiar with. How's your How are your feelings? How are you doing? Uh, I thought the uh, "Hey Man, Nice Shot" was excessively long and rude. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought uh, "Keep." Uh, I'm sorry. Welcome to the fold was. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised at how it sounded up top. Mm-hmm. The heaviness was nice. Wasn't a big fan of the chorus, but. I also can't listen to Filter now and not have some level of guilt if I hate it because I know how much you love it and I feel like I've just <laughs> crushed you several times about this thing that you love. So it's fun. I always listen to Filter with a filter <laughs> of Lauren loves this. So uh, it it wasn't terrible. I, I don't know why these songs needed to be so long, but... Let me blow your mind a little bit. Uh-oh. This this song is actually longer on the CD. What? How? It's, this song is seven minutes long. Do they think that they don't get more songs? I. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> no, here's the thing. The, uh, the second Filter album, I'm pretty sure every single song except one is is at least five minutes long. Jesus Christ. I'm pretty sure like it's like a like yeah, like this song's seven minutes and then it's like five, 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 and then there's like another six minute song, and then you have the three minute song, I will lead you, and then a couple more five minute ones. But yeah, they have a lot of like ambient build up. This song actually has a like mellow bridge in the radio edit or in the uh full album cut, which is removed from the radio edit. This was the first single from uh the title of record album. And they, they thought this was going to be the one. It wasn't the one. Take a Picture was the one. I like that song. Wonderful song. You know you know what? Take a Picture is a good song for. And I don't know how it's going with this, but that's a pretty good wedding song. Mm, I will tell you, mm-hmm. the dance, the first dance song has been selected. Ooh. I can't tell you what it is. Okay. Understand. Understand. Can we? It's bodies. <laughs> but it is bodies. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's going to be upset. I cannot oh, tell you. Including Mitch. Who, that's not the song we agreed on, but that's what I'm going to tell the DJ to play. Oh, wow. Confirm or deny that let the bodies <laughs> at the floor will be whispered yeah. at our wedding. Yeah. And someone's just going to like drop kick someone's aunt. <laughs> Into the middle of the dance floor. Flying leg press. All I can say is that if at any point bodies happens, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. So is everyone. You're going to be like, what? (laughs) What is this? I mean, I hope, Matt, I hope you and I are near each other when it happens, or else we're going to have to find each other. I'm going to be looking for you and Jason Statham if (laughs) Bob. Bodies. Yeah, we did invite uh, Jason Statham. So, oh, cool! I hope he comes. I've liked to we meet him. We just invited a bunch of celebrities. And <laughs> Love it. We'll see. Great. All right. Up next, if you're sequencing this album, you're like, okay, I've heard all the rock and rolls I can hear. <laughs> I'd <laughs> like to hear something yeah. different than that. Mm-hmm. I'm a soccer player from the 1950s. <laughs> 
What what if Matt soccer players from the 1950s? What do they love? Dude, hardcore and electronic music. They love everybody it. knows that. If you didn't know that, it was right off the tip stupid. of my tongue. Yeah, every person knows that. Mm-hmm. So naturally, up next we've got the Crystal Method with the song "Keep Hope Alive." Oh, that summer when electronic, it was almost a thing. Oh, boy. Yeah, they pushed it hard. So hard. I bought them all. A lot of them are still great. I listened to Surrender this weekend. Beautiful album. Nice. Ah, that drum beat. Now, I know that nobody at Family Values wants this, but I appreciate it. I don't know. They might want it. This was really, really popular. Yeah, I think I think you could be. I mean, I was in the category of enjoying this and also Limp Bizkit. I, I mean, I don't feel like I was that much of an outlier. I mean, if I if I must bring it up, Crystal Method and Filter teamed up on a song for the Spawn soundtrack. I've heard about this. I'm hurt. <laughs> the Spawn soundtrack comes up once again. Once I'm again. sorry. There it is right. again. What do we think? I'm a, I'm a little surprised that they did the full six minute and 29 second version of this song. <laughs> <laughs> There is, as far as I can tell, no difference between the album version besides crowd sounds. Um, maybe a little bit more wah squeals going on in the background, but otherwise it's it's uh, it's the same song from the CD version. Jenny? Never, never could get into Electronica. So this one, it, this is fine. It just reminds me of like a fight scene for Mortal Kombat or something. Like it's... Mm-hmm. Well, this was in um, this was in a Chow Yun Fat movie. Replacement Killers, Matt. Does I that believe sound right? so. That okay. sounds right. That sounds I'm not right. going to check or disagree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you're going to feel super smart today. <laughs> yeah, but this is uh, you know, where do you put? And I don't have this set up here. Where do you put? Where do you put Crystal Method in this lineup of Stained, Filter, Primus? Method Third. Man, Red Man. Third? I feel like you open with Stained. Mm. I feel like that's a safe bet. I feel like then you go to Filter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then you go to Primus. Oh. No. Oh, I'm going to regret this. I think I'm going <laughs> to flip-flop. I think then you go to Red Man, Method Man. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm, okay. Okay. And then for shows that Red Man and Method Man aren't there, that's where the Crystal Method would be. Then you go Primus, and then you go Biscuit. Mm. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. That's not bad. Then it would be Primus, Biscuit, Corn, or however they thought they were going to do it. Interesting lineup. 
certainly anyone who was at any of these shows, please do let us know what the real lineup was so we can know. Because we want to know. We want to know. But we weren't there. Mm, we didn't even come to Detroit. We went to Grand Rapids. <sighs> I know. I would have so gone if they'd come to Detroit. But they'd played the previous year. That's right. And they didn't want to saturate the market. Hey, that's just smart business. Mm-hmm. All right. Up next, we got a pair of Limp Biscuit songs. The first of which is I Would For You, which is a Jane's Addictions cover. I want to dedicate this song to everybody here tonight. We just want you to know that we live for music and we live for you and we're living because of you. And we would do anything for you. Fuck the critics. Fuck Spin Magazine. Fuck them all. Because without you, we ain't shit. I think we get it. Yeah, it rocks out around 345, but um, I did not enjoy this song um, <laughs> on this album. And once again, I guess this, this is a flex. You're Limp Biscuit. You're at the peak of your powers. The world's at your feet. You can play any song you want. You can play your own song. But you're like, no, I really like this Jane's Addiction song. And so I'm going to play it. The whole thing. All four minutes and 35 seconds of it what's everyone's feelings on jane's addiction who i don't think we've ever really talked about on the show you know i try <laughs> I fucking... <laughs> oh here no, we go i was at camp i remember i was at <laughs> camp this is keeps getting better and i heard been caught stealing and i was like yeah i think i found my new favorite band and then i heard jane said and i was like yeah they got a slow boy, but it's an emotional one. I like this. I'm in. And then I heard the rest of the record. And I was like, oh, I don't think those other two songs are like the rest of this record. <sighs> I tried. Yeah. I kept coming back, too. Like, maybe I'll grow into this. Maybe I just haven't given this enough chance. Nope. Nope. Just not for me. I've never even attempted to get into Jane's Addiction. I only know the singles, and I think they're fine. Everything about this is what I think of, and this is a completely uneducated opinion that I guess you asked for. I did ask for it. They just seem like Pirates of the Caribbean, the band. They're very <laughs> jangly singing to me, and I know that those two things don't line up timeline-wise, but if I have to say what comes to mind... When I think of Jane's Addiction now, everything about them just seems jangly. I understand they're often shirtless. Often. They ne- they never had. No one in that band owns a shirt. Yeah. It must when be they had to get a, inspiration yeah. for Incubus. When they had to get a replacement basis, they're like, um, who, Flea is the only person we can take. He doesn't own a shirt either. 
So, yeah. so I don't, yeah. I don't really know. What do you think about Jane's addiction? You know, um, I heard singles growing up, much like Matt did. Ben Cut Stealing, of course. Jane Sets, of course. The thing is that those songs were played out so heavily that I hate them now. Especially Jane Says. If Jane Says comes on any version, I. I, I want to throw the radio out the window. I don't ever want to hear that song ever again for the rest of my life. And then when I was at camp, since we're exchanging camp stories, I had a bunch of camp counselors who rolled out one day to go to Lollapalooza. I believe it was Lollapalooza 93, maybe 94, either way. And, um, and then one day a camp counselor woke us all up by playing the Mountain Song, and uh, which is quite a way to be introduced to that song is to have it blasted at high volume at five o'clock in the morning or whatever it was at camp. Uh, I actually did a little bit of like a deep dive through Jane's addiction while doing, you know, notes for this uh, album and was surprised to find how small their discography is, how much strife there is in the band and how many, misbegotten side projects uh and solo projects uh perry farrell had one that i completely forgotten about satellite party which uh is one of those ones where every guy's got to do it at some point in a band he's like i'm making an album with my wife and it's like here we go here we (laughs) go what's this gonna be for every double fantasy there's a satellite party (laughs) there you go all right, let's go on to our other Limp Biscuit song here. I believe you'll all know this one. It is called Nookie. And I would also do anything for some Nookie. For some Nookie. <laughs> nookie. I am not a crook. And also, <laughs> pussy is good. Jenny, you're absolutely right. Fred just sounds so much better on this album. Clearly, vocal training. I mean, yeah, just sounds so much better. He sounds like, yeah, he is not, well, what I was thinking was blowing his load. <laughs> but that's a weird way to say it. It just <laughs> seems like he's taking his time, is what yeah. I mean. I mm-hmm. the, the song is called Nookie. I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like he's not as... Uh, the first record, he sounded a lot more like he was just constantly screaming and trying to go like mm-hmm. all in on everything. But yeah, uh, 
I thought this song sounded pretty good. Again, at seven minutes. Seven minute nookie. <laughs> seven minute nookie. Weird. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, boy. So in 1999, the f- opening show of this tour was at the Palace of Auburn Hills in Auburn Hills, Michigan. Really? Really? Your, yep. Your opener was Stained, followed by Mob Deep, followed by Crystal Method, followed by Filter, followed by Limp Bizkit. Weird. Wikipedia has lied to us. Wikipedia says the opening date was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, at the Civic Arena. So, yep. wow. Nope. There you have it. Well, spawn soundtrack all over again. All over again. All yeah. right. There's there's one song left. One song. So there's any questions that anybody wants to ask me? Um, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> On this episode, I I don't think we could talk about how respectful of our time this record is. It's about as respectful of our time as we are respectful of this episode's time. It comes in at 7107. That's going to be an hour and 11 minutes and 7 seconds. Uh, we got one song left. Boy, oh boy. It's the real motherfucking deal, it's y'all. the real motherfucking deal, y'all. It's Aaron Lewis and Fred Durst outside. <laughs> So Matt, yeah, buddy. If you, we, we all know, if you want to just go to 145, that's what that's what we're all here for. Family values. Oh boy. Oh boy. <sighs> oh boy. Um, I want to say that when I was taking notes for this album and I was listening to this song, my dog Simon came up to me and nuzzled my leg to be let outside. Whoa. Coincidence? I don't I, think so. I don't think so. Mr. Government Man. Mm. So, we didn't go to my website about anything on this, but I did go to Amazon. Okay. Because uh, I was like, I wonder what kind of reviews people have left for buying this CD on Amazon. I just okay. had to know. And I found one that I want to read before we get into talking about the most important thing, which is the canon. Uh, this is from DJ Hollow. And it says, this album means a lot to my life. And it's a fucking trip, so just buckle up. Okay. When my uncle passed away in 2000, they played outside at the funeral. I'm assuming the CD. It was also the last song he played before his death. It was still playing when his car was turned on at the crime scene where he was murdered. My mother bought the CD right after. It was a classic pink CD case with a pack of cards, a a piece of ouch gum on the inside. She lost the CD, so I had to get another copy. I ordered one 
from the order of nine CDs for a penny BMG CD club. I got it in the mail and it was a baby. I was like, what the fuck? Where's the pink case? I figured it was a cheaper version since it came from BMG. However, it was not. By 2001, you couldn't buy the pink case anywhere. It was the original press and the baby was cheaper and then getting expensive pink CD cases. I love the CD so much. Honestly, it was what made me want to perform live. It got taken away in 2002 in fifth grade for playing in class. I was angry. I even told the teacher, take my CD player, not my CD. The best are corn and limp biscuit. And of course, meth and red crystal method is cool. But it's funny. People say limp biscuits the worst on here. Yeah, right. Primus. They are a terrible band of no skill. They just mumble all over the live songs. They have only one decent song, and it's Jerry was a race car driver. Is other than that, Primus is pure garbage. They should not be praised for anything, and Filter is not much better. They are honestly the worst two on here. I think it's funny Limp Bizkit has all these haters, but are one of the best rap rock bands of all time behind Ted B.E. And by the way, Limp Bizkit has sold 40 million albums worldwide, more than Primus or Filter ever. Well, I found the baby cover used for two bucks at a local record store. It's funny. 15 years ago, CDs were gold. Now people just throw them to the side. Like I said, I've seen three copies of the CD come and go. Now I'll know it's still there because no one buys CDs anymore. The CD will always remain in my collection. It means too much to me in my childhood. Whoa. Wow. So oh my <laughs> I just God. felt that was something that was important to share. I... I'm a little struck by, I mean, if his uncle died in 2000, then mm-hmm. the version of Outside was this version that was played at his funeral, which means at his funeral, everyone is mourning, and then Limp- and then Fred Durst is like, Biloxi, this is the real motherfucking deal. Digging the lighters. I just like uh, that. I think that you could say you don't like Primus, but to call them a band of no skill. That's quite a statement. That seems like wow. empirically incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right well thank you for indulging me absolutely uh, i think there's only one thing left to do canon talk talk about the music so i thought this was paced well splitting up the band's songs was a smart move it's uh too long but i think that's by design with the thought that you'll skip what you don't like but i don't think there's anything essential on here but it is an interesting artifact of basically Limp Biscuit Ascendant, or really not even Ascendant, but like Ascended, is the version of Outside on this album worthy of the drunk drawer because of Fred's ad-libs? I think that the version of Outside should live somewhere in the canon or canon adjacent just because it's so ubiquitous. And I don't know if that's just like what got played around here all the time because this was like a you staple on 89 so i think i would put it in the junk drawer but i don't think that there's anything else on here that i felt pretty strongly about putting in no it, it's one of those things where the original recordings are so much stronger and so much more of them have already already have their place in the canon mm. you know like yeah it seems there's nothing essential about the record to uh, paraphrase Lauren. Okay. Well, there we have it then. Uh, outside, Fred Durst ad libs in the new metal junk drawer. And our theme summer continues. We're on tour. We're on tour, baby. 
in about a month or maybe less, Family Values 2001. We'll be doing that one. But that does bring us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on saying hello online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your album recommendations. We've been loving them. A lot of interesting and exciting recommendations been coming down from us. Things that are surprising us. Things that, uh, I mean, we'd never heard of. Point blank. Point blank. Until next time, Jenny, thank you. Lauren, thank you. Matt, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.